What category does Gartner say you're in, or what are they calling this? So Gartner uh, did a paper uh, in November of 21 where they wrote about conversational AI and they identified as as the only technology innovator in conversational AI in cybersecurity. There was nobody else. Gartner still is still not figured out which category because there are so many categories we are playing in, right? Because when they look at the capabilities or features individually, they're seeing that, oh, we are playing in Bass. Then they're they're seeing we are playing in SOAR, we are playing in TIP, we are playing in RBVM, we are playing in Asset Discovery. And conversational AI like Cara, doesn't, the category doesn't even exist. So they still can't place us correctly in which category we really are. And that's not just with Gartner, it's with Forrester and IDC. Like everyone says, well, we haven't seen anything like this. This conceptually is very different because you are hiring Cara and then Cara is coming with whatever tools and technologies are necessary to do the job and and that's i think that is why we are sort of so different but we are in the category of the what the next gen cybersecurity operations would uh, industry would look like it will be humans and and ai based assistants that will do the yeah. job it's almost like you're a service category but you're billing out an ai the genealogy of cybersecurity is a new kind of podcast here we'll interview notable entrepreneurs, startup advising CISOs, venture capitalists, and more. Our topic, the problems of cybersecurity, new attack surfaces, and innovation across the startup world. Welcome. I'm your cybersecurity analyst, Paul Shamo. This is an exciting episode. I wanted my first three interviews to be really strong visionaries that are having profound conversations about the future. And today I brought in Anurag Gurtu, the Chief Product Officer from Strike Ready. This interview was actually recorded last fall as I wrote my end-of-year wrap-up of startup innovations for Dark Reading, which was called uh, Coming to a Sock Near You, New Browsers, Posture Management, Virtual Assistants. In case you want to read it, I'll put a link in the show notes. Strike Ready was one of the more unique automation solutions I, I had seen, uh, but I, I can tell you for sure there are more AI assistant startups coming very shortly. If you think this interview sounds particularly cutting edge, keep in mind it was recorded before ChatGPT took the world by storm, so it was even more so last fall. Now, listen very carefully because this is a, a different kind of AI than ChatGPT. They're actually doing incident response. This Kara uh, virtual assistance is actually required to affect the environment around it and not just read things and relay them back to you. Thanks for your time. Mm -hmm. um, so a, a little bit about us, uh, our background. So most of, I would say 80, 90% of team is all uh, old timers of FireEye. Nice. And um, we, used to run, we used to run different functions at FireEye. Some of us were part of the zero day discovery center. Some of us were part of R&D. Mm -hmm. Some of us were part of the threat intelligence team, engineering team, products team, marketing team, sales team, sales engineering team, and so on. So we all sort of uh, came together to, uh, to form this company and, and launch it three and a half years ago. Our background uh, during the FireEye days had been very extensively on the detection side of the house. Mm -hmm. uh, we had over 25 patents on detection, uh, active patents deployed in the products um, and deployed in different aspects of products. Some of, some were on the network side, some of, some of them were the email side, some of them were on the file analysis, some of them were on the endpoint side and so on. Because FireEye, as you know, had a mul multiple uh, products which offered layer defense. So when starting Strike Ready, uh, the decision we had to make was: um, Do we 
do we again become a detection and prevention company just because we had a very strong background in it or do we do something different and our decision was to do something different and we started looking at the space um seeing what is the next wave of technologies um that we have to uh, or what is the next market segment that that is interesting enough and it pretty it was pretty obvious that automation was a big uh, uh revolutionary aspect that would uh, transform uh industries and then we looked at the automation there were a lot of companies in automation at that time i mean we had resilient which was all bought by ibm as you know uh, back in 2014 we had demisto around we had uh, phantom and these were all emerging companies right but what we quickly realized that uh, the way that these companies were approaching automation is just not going to scale and the reason that we felt it's not going to scale was they were expecting very highly skilled people to build automation and they were going after the skilled talent gap that existed in cyber with a solution that will solve it but it required much more amount of expertise to build that out so we said well this might this might this definitely will not work for masses this might work for fortune 10 fortune 50 companies so now we were clear that automation is the is the is the area that we have to go with mm-hmm. The second thing that we started looking at is we started looking at uh what is the next tech which is going to have massive game changer right or transformation and it was AI like we we doubled down on AI and we knew that AI is going to make a difference so now we had to leverage AI and we had to go about doing something with regards to automation but when we started talking about AI with the current workforce it was pretty evident that a lot of um, old timers pretty much no no ai doesn't work it's yeah. all it's all smoke and mirrors and stuff like that but when we were talking to a very much more younger crowd uh, they were they were embracing ai they never had that feeling that you know what ai is like smoke and mirrors they said yeah i mean let show me what you can do and then if if this if they if they liked something then they embraced it and it was very evident with ai being leveraged in other technology aspects but so we knew that the next gen workforce uh would be millennials or would be like uh, not rigid guys like us uh and they will embrace ai and uh, then we started looking at their their behavioral patterns like how would they communicate with technologies and it was very evident that voice and text would be the way of communication so now you have three different things we have the next gen workforce millennial we know that their communication mechanism is text and voice they are open to ai and we have to do something with automation because that's the way that we will solve the skill talent gap so mm-hmm. it could pretty much converge we knew what we had to build and we started building so what we built was we built um we we can call it its industry's first digital cybersecurity analyst we call it cara we said we can build a digital analyst and this digital analyst will be trained with skills by observing the best of the best uh, cyber defender or analyst mm-hmm. in the industry it will learn from it and then it will democratize that intelligence so not only will it offer automation capabilities which will help regular analyst with speed scale uh, and productivity enhancements but what this digital analyst will do in addition it will give them knowledge and the third thing that it will do is it will enhance their skill mm-hmm. and to enhance their skill this digital analyst will bring technology tools and technologies or capabilities which may not exist in an organization yeah. so i'm going to show I'm, i can show you here i have enabled uh, my debug mode too so you can see in real time how we break apart sentences and figure it out so uh, as you can see right when i said hi cara she sort of have to run through classifiers to figure out 
what type of conversation it is so she understands the small talk and then she says it's it looks like a greeting message to me and then she will say signal the message uh and respond so they'll say where are you from again in this case you would see that she will still say it's a small talk casual conversation it's this is the intent and then it will respond but if i start asking about something like like what is our dark side over here you will see that she understands uh, when when i say that that this is not a small talk it's a knowledge seeking intent mm-hmm. that i'm going for right i've been able to debug it's a knowledge seeking intent right coming has to come from knowledge she and um, she looks at dark side she immediately knows it's a ransomware right so now she knows it's ransomware knowledge seeking she extracted the intent and then she pulls information right structured information about that uh, threat actor when kara comes in into your organization to augment your team mm-hmm. and it can be any team it can be ir team it can be soc team it can be a threat intel team threat hunting team warranty management team red team uh, it team but when she comes in she she cannot expect i'm using it she instead of it that's fine um she cannot expect that you would have all the tools and technologies mm-hmm. that are required for her to perform the job mm. uh, so she will bring her, with herself a lot of tools and technologies if you have tools and technologies which are required for her to do the job she will leverage them but she cannot just make an assumption that you have it now the beauty of it that of that is that an organization which is very less mature on the security curve when they onboard kara they get mm. two benefits first the security maturity increases because suddenly they get access to tools and technologies which not only kara can use but their team can also use and secondly they get the skill set so the struggle that they are facing with not being able to hire highly skilled people also goes away mm-hmm. at the same time when you are conversing with her she's observing each and every conversation because she's doing a couple of things she's profiling you to understand the level of knowledge you have the level of skill you have because she can give suggestions to you um secondly she is also observing you to not only learn from what are your areas of interest mm-hmm. maybe she is observing me and saying you know what anora keeps talking about keeps searching about different type of ransomwares and when he is dealing with these ransomwares he is basically he's trying to then hunt for some iocs and then once he finds those iocs he blocks that so now he now no i know that anurag is more inclined towards ransomwares and there are maybe certain type of ransomwares that he's going after and stuff like that mm-hmm. right so she's sort of profiling every user to do a couple of things right to understand what they do understand the level of skill they have and the uh, understand the, the areas of interest that they have mm. so you can be very granular in saying who you sh- who she should learn from Ob- observability mm. yeah she's going to observe everyone is kara like how how is she sit between you and what you're doing in the environment it's a saas based service okay. and you log into that service and it basically launches a conversational interface for you mm-hmm. uh, so there are two modes to communicate whether one is you can go in a conversational route where you can start delegating tasks to her and she would perform those tasks in real time and the second mode is where she would you based on the roles and permissions that you have assigned to kara mm-hmm. she would start performing tasks in an autonomous way so kara lives on your cloud platform and it's delivered as a saas application So what integrations or customer data then is being pulled into your cloud 
for Kara to work on? Are we talking like endpoint telemetry, sim, cloud alerts? Yeah, we, we pull in we pull in a lot of uh, I'm going to show you we we pull in a lot of uh, type of in, intelligence, right? So we are so if you like, let's say have EDR technologies, we are pulling in metadata uh, and alerts of the EDR products, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have SIM, we are pulling in the SIM uh, information. Mm-hmm. If you have any incident management, we are just reading through your your case management systems and then pulling information. Uh, from them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever it may be, right? They are writing text and to be parsing it through NLP mechanisms, right? Uh, if you have vulnerability management systems, we are just looking at what the scan data is from from them, right? If you have threat intelligence feeds, we are ingesting pretty much whatever the threat intel feed is. It's pumping inside, but then we are reanalyzing them, relabeling them, and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have email security products, we are just looking at every email that is passing through uh, those systems, right? Um, patch management systems, we are looking at what is what is being patched, what is not being patched. So it's basically, it's it's sort of, it's like a, like a SIM++, right? It's like a, it's, it's like a data lake that we just want you to keep pumping data because we have to look at exactly what is going on in your organization. The more we see, the much better she will perform because she has very holistic understanding of what really is going on in your organization. That makes sense. And then you said she brings tools in that you don't have. Are you talking about like, yeah. Uh, you know, open source tools or more complicated like pen testing tools? Yeah, she brings a lot a lot of open source tools. She also brings a lot of tools that we are we have written ground up. Uh, and th- these tools can be um, like a tip platform, right? A threat intelligence mm-hmm. platform, which helps with operationalizing IOCs. So instead of, let's say you don't have threat matrix or threat quotient or something like that, we can't expect you to have it or to, to have Kara operationally perform to its fullest capability. So we have written that tool ground up. She can use it. Let's say you don't have a proper SOAR tool. No problem. She will bring a automation tool but with herself and, and do the stuff. Maybe you don't have breach and attack simulation tool. No problem. She will bring that tool. Maybe you don't have risk-based voluntary prioritization tool. No problem. She will bring that tool. Maybe you don't have a tool which can discover assets in real time and identify which assets are more critical in your organization. Um, no problem, she can bring that tool. So you're, you're and, mainly, you're mainly, she's mainly bringing stuff that, uh, obviously you're not buying on the site because that would be difficult profitability wise, but stuff that's open source, stuff that you do that she's specialized and has learned how to use and is an expert at kind of. Stuff that is open source and some of these tools that I've mentioned, we have written them ground up. Okay. We wrote them ourselves. So they were not open source, but we had to write those tools ourselves. And the reason was, like I said, right, we want Kara to embody a certain persona when she comes to an organization. So mm-hmm. let's say you have a challenge with your SOC team. We would say, okay, you can you can you can you can hire Kara or you can buy Kara. Mm-hmm. Um, actually buy, not hire. <laughs> you can buy Kara and then she will come in and she will embody a persona of a SOC tier one analyst, or you have a challenge and then what do SOC tier one analysts do? I mean, when they, when an alert comes in, they have to basically assess them for a true positive or a false positive, and then they have to contextualize it and enrich it, mm-hmm. and then they have to punt it to a an IR person to to handle it. To do that job, to do perform that skill, if any tool is needed, we just can't make a blanket assumption that that tool exists in your organization. So uh, when you have to analyze IOCs, virus total is one of them. Kara uh, will bring virus total, but there are 60, 70 different analysis engines that Kara will bring along with that. And 
you as an analyst may not even know that there are 50, 60 other analysis engines that the best of the best folks in the industry rely on, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not that seasoned. And even if you're seasoned, there is no way that you know, you know pretty much every analysis engine under the sun that most of the best defenders use, right? Yeah. Um, and what if some of the analysis engines give contradictory information, then what do you do, right? So that level of com- complexity is what we had worked on. Just out of curiosity, I'm really asking just to try to get a feel for your business and where you're allocating resources. Like what percentage of the tools she brings are open source versus what you you write? So the only thing that she that she brings open source are the analysis engine tools. So for mm-hmm. example, and I can show you in the in the product, uh, these tools are like different analysis engines that that we would rely on uh, to analyze an IOC. Uh, she will bring on open source clan bo- uh, sandboxes mm-hmm. uh, for her to analyze stuff and stuff uh, do that stuff. But everything else, like if you don't have threat intel, she's bringing that. If you don't have breach and simulation, she's bringing that. If you don't have SOAR, she's bringing that. If you don't have risk-based vulnerability management, yeah. she's bringing that. If you don't have asset discovery. So those... So- I mean, th- those are companies by themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you, but we don't think they should be companies by themselves. They should be just features. <laughs> but but you, and, and that, that seems like an out, outrageously ambitious engineering project. But, but one thing that occurs to me is you're writing them for Kara, who's your user, who you have right in front of you. I would imagine that makes your development of your internal tools a little more economical to develop. Is it true? It builds it, it. Yeah, it is. It makes us. It makes it very economical as well to, to develop. Um, secondly, our entire foundation, Paul, has been threat intelligence, right? So we are the. We have been in the cyberspace. We on the intel side for like twenty years. Mm. So when, for so there was no like learning curve for our engineering team, right? They have been writing like products, like for mm. years and years. So, our ramp up time. I mean, it was. It was a pretty uh, ambitious thing when we were even raising, right? People cannot believe that you can pull off multiple product lines and on top of that, you can leverage AI and then yeah. invoke a decision system. And we said, yeah, I mean, trust trust us. Like we have, the team is exceptionally strong. We are like 70, 80 people right now, right? So you may feel it's not doable, but it is actually doable. It may take us about a year and a half to build it, two years to build it. And it, it took us to, to almost two years, two and a half years to build it. Uh, but we are in the three and three and a half year mark, so a lot of this is already built. So back to back to the the work you're doing to build internally. Yeah. Um, yes. So it kind of sounds like you, have, because your team is so strong, you're kind of building your team's intelligence into Kara, both in, into her AI, but also into the tools she uses external to her AI. Yes. Is, is that kind of it? into the tools which are on the platform. The platform exposes yeah. those capabilities out, yes. Is, is that kind of the essence of how you're, you're you know, monetizing your engineering capital or am I, am I reaching on that? So we we don't sell tools. Like right. we don't have a face list to sell tools. We sell Cara based on the team that wants to use it and the number mm-hmm. of analysts that will get empowered using Kara. So if you have a soft team of five people, right. we right. are selling you the platform and saying, Kara is going to come with five seat of licenses where every analyst can leverage Kara. And that's how we sell. Go back to the analysis engines. Is she uh, learning from what your internal analysts would take, would think based on all, what all those analysts come back as? Or are you actually like doing supervised machine learning with her or you're building some kind of like decision tree, knowledge graph with that? Like what, 
What does yeah. that look like? Yeah, we, we, we are running, we are building a knowledge graph um, and we are building a decision tree on that. So here are, I'll show you now and I'm going to minimize this so you can see a lot more in one shot. Here are all the feed sources that she is looking at and mm-hmm. analyzing uh, in real time on what is going on, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I mean, there are hundreds of feed sources. There's not even a single individual on the planet who can actually name all of them. Right. But she has learned this from the best of the best defenders. Similarly, if you look at analysis engines, uh, there are like 30, 40 different analysis engines, engines right? Uh, Abuse IP, Shodan, uh, Tor nodes, Gray Noise, Threat Miner, URL Host, et cetera, et cetera, right? So she's looking at all these analysis engines. So when she has, when she, you are giving an, an, uh, any artifact to her, she is looking at all these analysis engines and then seeing what is the outcome from that. She's looking at strike ready threat intelligence, seeing what is the outcome of that. And then she runs different ML algorithms, like one of the most, um, one of the most, the parent algorithm that's running on top of it is it's Ensemble. So she's running Ensemble on top of it. And then based on that, she's making a decision in real time to look at that artifact and say, is this really a true positive or a false positive, right? Right. So she does that. Now, your best of the this is exactly what the best of the best defenders in the industry do. Right. It's, it, because we have learned from them, right? But not everyone knows how, how to do it. And so, that's where she would come and assist. Real, real yeah. quick, what, what category does Gartner say you're in or what are they calling this? So Gartner... Uh, did a paper uh, in November of 21 where they were uh, where, where they wrote about conversational AI mm-hmm. and they identified as as the only uh, techni- techni- technology innovator in conversational AI in cybersecurity. There was nobody else. Gartner still is, fig- is, is, is still not figured out which category because there are so many categories we are playing in, right? Because when they look at the capabilities or features individually, they're seeing that, oh, we are playing in Bass. Then they're they are seeing we are playing in SOAR, we are playing in TIP, we are playing in RBVM, we are playing in Asset Discovery. Um, and conversational AI like Kara doesn't, the category doesn't even exist, right? right. So they still can't place, our, place us correctly in which category we really are. And that's not just with Gartner, it's with Forrester and IDC. Like everyone says, well, we haven't seen anything like this. This conceptually is very different because you, you are hiring Kara and then Kara is coming with whatever yeah. tools and technologies are necessary to do the job and we don't know which category are you in so right. and that's i think that is why we are sort of so different mm-hmm. um but we are in the category of the what the next gen cyber security operations would uh, industry do would look like it will be humans and and ai based assistants that will do the yeah. job as i would say you're all, it's almost like you're a service category but you're billing out an ai oh, basically that's... It's a full-blown product. There's no services PS that well, we have in our team. I mean, I'm just yeah. using like a, an analogy. Like you're clo- yeah. you're closer to a service team because you you're putting forward an AI bot. Like like instead yeah. of putting forward one of your experts to do the work for them. But, but yeah, it's like you're right. You're right. It's yeah. Uh, it's it's something like an MDR. It's it's sort of an MDR because you're sort of managing the entire threat management, uh, warranty management aspect of an industry. But without an MDR, it is it's, it's being done in-house, but with AI yeah. uh, to do it, yes. From an analyst perspective, I think Gartner is the only one that has okay. written. Okay. Uh, there are a few who are still writing because uh, 
they still are trying to define what the space and this sort of little little maybe little ahead of its time so yeah. they they usually start writing when they see a, a lot of players doing it but when you're talking yeah. about pure innovation you usually don't have uh followers for many years right of course um, and, and that's what and i'm then, trying to write about i'm trying to uh write about that space before all that stuff happens yeah, for so sure you might, so, so you'll be you, the first one who will actually go into that awesome very cool stuff uh you you, you kind of wowed and surprised me so some AI assistants like Grammarly or Google's Assistant watch your communications and help you write. Uh, some chat with you like uh, technical support bots. But there's a different kind of virtual assistant which imposes its intelligence and your desires on the environment, like Siri. Siri can be tasked to do things that require a phone messaging map or search app. She needs that ecosystem of tools around her to affect the environment. Now, I hadn't thought of this before this interview, but when companies of the future deliver AI assistance to their customers, they may be on the hook to also deliver an ecosystem of tools around that assistant so that it can affect the environment. StrikeReady is developing an ecosystem of tools along with the Kara AI assistant. Are they taking on too much? That was my first reaction, you can probably tell from the interview, but the more I think about it, I'm not actually sure. Take breach and attack simulation tools. They deliver one of those tools with Kara. Um, but what they're really talking about is an internal good enough tool built for their specific controlled cloud environment and to be used very predictably by their own AI assistant. Now, does that require less engineering costs to build than a full-blown commercial breach and attack simulation tool that's developed for a customer base of wildly unpredictable human users? It probably is. Like most people, I've never developed an application for a virtual assistant. I just don't know. But I'm going to be very curious to watch Strike Ready as it plays out over the years to see what happens. And then my fourth and final thought, I want to point out that Four years from now, you're going to be able to re-listen to this interview, and it's going to still sound cutting edge. That's what the genealogy of innovation is all about. This incubation space around startups typically is operating about four years in the future, at least at this moment. You can find StrikeReady online at StrikeReady.com or on Twitter at, at Strike underscore Ready.